Welcome back, Assembly Hub listeners. It's good to have you. This is another episode that we're going to do today on adventures in evangelism. We're going to take a little bit of a break from the Lord's Supper series that we've been doing, and we're going to talk about personal evangelism and how we can be a better witness and a more effective witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's amazing that in this day of pandemic that we're in currently right now, there seems to be two things that come to the surface, or at least have been coming to the surface in a lot of conversations, and that is the Lord's return. That seems to be a prominent thing, that the Lord is coming back soon. But the second thing is that because the Lord is coming back soon and our time is short, then we are desperately in need of personal witnessing and evangelism. Our time is short. We don't know how much longer we have on this earth. And that means that there is a great need to share the good news of the gospel. So I have my dad with me again today. And he was a part of the first podcast we did on adventures in evangelism. And he shared his testimony and a little bit of the things that got him started in evangelism. So welcome, Dad. And why don't you start right off by continuing to share some experiences as you started out in this great work of evangelism. Well, good morning, Crawford. It's nice to be back again and just give one or two things that have been part of my life, especially in my very early years as a young Christian. The last time I was with you, I gave my testimony and how the Lord saved me. And just at the start, that first year or two was quite uh, growing experience and, and learning and of course the assembly that I came into, a very small assembly, they were very big on outreach, getting out into the open airs, preaching in the open airs and track distribution and seeking to reach the lost with the gospel. I want to say right at the beginning that the, the things that I'm bringing to you is in no way to highlight myself, it's really to highlight the Lord working in my life. And there's two verses that I want to think about, first of all, before we begin. And in Paul in Romans chapter 5, he speaks about the love of God being shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit which is in you. And so we have to be conscious of two things, God's love working in and through our hearts, and the Holy Spirit as the leader, as the guide. And uh, I can attest to all these years that Many times it's the Holy Spirit that's opened up the doors or given me the opportunity to speak to individuals and different ministries that I've been involved in. We'll touch on that maybe sometimes a little later. One of the first things that I had to encounter as a new Christian was my involvement with the things that I had before. And as I said the last time, that I had a great love for soccer, the football game as it was. It was a hindrance to me coming to the Saviour, but once I came to know the Saviour, then I had to uh, think this through. We're back in the 1950s, remember, mid-50s, is that they did not like any involvement with the, with the sporting world. Now let me clarify that. It wasn't the sport that was the problem. It is a wonderful game, but it was the environment in which uh, it surrounded it. And in these days, it was 90% of people that went to the the, the games were, were men. The atmosphere was a totally different scene than it is even today. Just after it was saved, the first day of the year, 1956, New Year's Day was a big, big day for me 
because that was when the local teams, the Harder Midlothian and the Hibernian team, uh, played each other. And, and I lived for that throughout the year. We always looked forward to this game. And so I decided that I was going to go to the game that day. And I said to my parents, I'm going to go into the game today. And they never said anything. My dad was very quiet. He wasn't hard or he just let me go and made my own decision to see what I was going to uh, do with that. And so I went to the game that day. Now, what would have been a highlight for me was totally different. Once I got there and into the first half of the game, the game itself would be probably just as good as any other time, but the atmosphere was totally different. I recognized where I was. The language was something else. You could hardly see the ball for the smoke in front of you. 60,000 people were crammed into this uh, stadium uh, to watch the game, and I lost interest almost immediately after I was there, and realized in my heart, this is not really a place for me to be. There's something better that I can be involved in than, than this. And I want to say to their younger people today, I know that sport is a big thing over here and there's nothing wrong with that. Let me say that, make, make that very clear. But don't make it your goal. There are better things to be involved in. And so I left the game halfway through and came out of the stadium, got under the bus to go home. Remember, in these days, we didn't have cars like you have today. and drove home in the bus, and I can't explain to you the peace and the joy that I had in my heart that here was the first decision I made. I was going to go in for something totally different, something that I believe was much better, and sure it was from that day forward. So I left there. A few weeks later, I went into Princess Street in Edinburgh, for those who have been there and visited it, the beautiful street and one of the most popular places in the whole of Scotland. And uh, I used to do that when I was working and then I would go home on a Saturday and I'd go home, have something to eat and go back into the city again. And as I came into the city that day, from the west side in, there was a, a big hotel there called the Caledonian Hotel. The street was characterized by two major hotels, one on the, the, on the east side, which was the Caledonian Hotel, and the other was on the west side, which was called the North British Hotel. Beautiful buildings. But as I came into uh, the street, and here was a large, large crowd waiting outside the Caledonian Hotel. And so I was curious, like everybody else, to see what was going on there. And so I went over and I spoke to a couple that was standing there. I said, what's happening here today? And they said, you know, the king and queen, I think it was Sweden, I'm not sure, but it was one of the European countries, was in the hotel and they were waiting on them coming out and the limousines were waiting at the door. And so I thought, well, might as well stand by and look and see what's happening. And then within about 10, 15 minutes later, out they came, gave a wave to everybody that was in the crowd, into their cars, and off they went. And then the crowd dispersed and went on their way, and so did I. And I started to walk along Princess Street, and I thought, my, what am I thinking about? Here is me waiting to see an earthly monarch. When I am the child of a king, there's royal blood in my bones, in my being, uh, not not earthly royalty, but heavenly royalty. And you know, that made me feel something that day as I started to walk along and I think, my, what we are in Christ through the Lord Jesus. He's brought us into this wonderful royal family of his. 
and uh, that we are kings and priests and we will be that forever and forever. And so I was beginning to grasp in my own heart that there is something far better than this world. One time I came in from the open air in Scotland. You went out into the open air, whether it was sunshine or rain, and this day it was absolutely coming down. And uh, But we still went out. Nothing stopped in Scotland for the rain. And so we were out in the open air just before the gospel meeting at night. And when we came in, a dear old brother who was there and, and much an influence in my life, as I've maybe mentioned before, he came in and then he put his hands on his lapel of his jacket and he said, and he was covered, it was totally soaking wet. He says, don't you realize that we are of the aristocracy of heaven? My, that made something for us. These are things that I've never forgotten, to realize who we are in Christ. And if we can get a sense of that, to realize that we have a tremendous responsibility to go forward in relation to that. Those are, are wonderful stories, and I just appreciate so much as you're sharing that these experiences had an impact on you at that time that shaped your thinking on how you viewed others and how you viewed evangelism and just your life in general. And I, I take it from what you're saying that really what we need to concentrate on is less of this world, less focus on the things of earth and realize who we are in Christ, and may that be the driving force for us in terms of witnessing and being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right, Crawford. I think we need to grasp that whole concept that we're not here forever, and that life is short, and the things of earth and the things of time will all be soon passed away. And there is a saying which is so true today as it's always been, there's only one life that we can live, and once it's passed, you know, it's gone forever. And it's only the things that count for Christ that count. It's only what's done for him that really matters. One of the things that I learned in my younger years was not so much, I used to think that the more I can do for the Lord Jesus, the better that would be. But I learned differently very shortly after that. It's not so much how much we can do for him that counts, it's how much we allow him to work in our lives, to do through us what he wants to do, for it's really his work, it's his ministry, it's his service that we're all involved in. And so anything that we do is of little value, really. We only do what he has asked us to do, and in obedience to do that, then he will take us up and he will use us. And that's a beautiful verse in, in Philippians chapter 2, it is God who wills and who works in you uh, for his own good pleasure. He puts the will in the mind and in the heart, but he also gives the power to bring it about because we can't do that. And so that's back to what I was saying earlier, that the Holy Spirit of God in us, working through us, is, is, the, is the power that gives us the ability to do the things that we do. But it's really all of him, and it's all for him, ultimately. It's not for our glory, but it's for his glory. And that's what we hope that we'll... Uh, that we continue to do. After I passed that, that last experience, a few days later I was back in Princess Street. I was there a lot. Now this is not a plug for the tourism. I don't get any commission for this. But if you've never been in Edinburgh or in Scotland, you should make a trip sometime. Some of you older ones, uh, make a trip. But it's a beautiful street and it's a beautiful uh, city. The city of Edinburgh, it's very much on my heart. I miss it a lot. 
But uh, I'm going back again there, and it's walking along, and halfway along there is what they call the Sir Walter Scott's Monument. And this day I climbed it up. I was still a young teenager. I climbed it up to the very top, and what an amazing view that you get from the top of it. But I wasn't interested in the view. I was interested in the people that were passing in the street below, and it was a very busy tourist area, so it was, it was really busy that day. And you know what I thought as I looked down? I wondered if the Lord came today, how many of these people would go? How many of these people would go? Because if they don't, they're lost for all eternity. What an eternity awaits them if they've never accepted the Lord. And so that once again instilled in my heart the need to reach out and to touch these people uh, with the gospel. Now let me share another experience with you that I really uh, remember with tremendous uh, joy as I look back. Not long after I was uh, saved and we started to uh, do a little bit of preaching at our own assembly and then I was invited to one of the uh, assemblies not far from where we live. There are a lot of assemblies within a 30 mile radius and this small assembly had asked me to come and preach the gospel that uh, Sunday evening. <clears throat> now that Sunday evening, uh, now remember, as I said, we have no cars, and so we always had to take the bus for transportation. And so I came into the line-up for the bus and waited there and the bus coming. And then there was this man came from the very beginning. He, w he wasn't in the line-up, but he was off to the side. And he came right up the front and came and stood exactly where I was standing. Now remember, because we've not uh, uh, got cars, we had our Bible in our hand. I want to say this is something that I miss a lot in the later years. Because wherever I went, even for the meetings, even through the week, anything that we were doing, uh, of a spiritual nature, we always, I always had to have my Bible with me. So it was always in my hand. And my a number of experiences I could record concerning that when people would stop and, and just ask about the Bible. But, but this was a very unique experience. And so this man came over and uh, I could see by the look of him that he was a down and out. You could see by, the, the, by his face that uh, alcohol had played a tremendous havoc in his life. And he was standing there. And then he pointed his finger at my Bible. And this is the words that he said. On the authority of that book that you have, the Bible in your hand, you have to listen to my story. So I said to him, carry on. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Now remember, I, there's about another dozen people all listening in now at this man beginning to tell his story. And he only had about five, ten minutes to tell it before the bus came. And he told us that he was a believer and that he had trusted the Lord as his saviour. He, he went in for spiritual things and then eventually he became a Baptist minister. And a few years later after he was married and he had three young children and one night uh, his wife and children went out to a function at their church and sadly on the way home they were involved in a very serious car accident and each of them were killed. He lost his wife and his three children. I still, I still feel that to this day, listening to that man speak that day. And so he had lost his wife and his three children, and he didn't really know what to do. He had made up his mind that he was going to continue, and so the week after his funeral on the Sunday, he went up to his pulpit to do his normal message as he would do that Sunday morning, 
and he read the scriptures, shut his Bible, and then he came off the platform, walked right out of the door and went into the street and off alone and was very dejected. Sometime later, while he was wandering around the city, he came in touch with a man who came across and spoke to him and asked him if he was okay, and he, and he started to tell him what had happened. So the man said, you come with me, and I'll give you some help. And unfortunately, that was the first night that he had tasted alcohol. And within three weeks or so, or a month, he could not get away from drinking the alcohol that he became very, very shortly after that, an alcoholic. Now this experience that he's telling me happened uh, three years before that point. So for three years he actually lived on the streets. Now I don't know what I would have done in his situation. It would be very easy to criticize him and say, well, he should have got spiritual help and maybe he should have done. But here was a man devastated by the situation and circumstances that surrounded him. But then he said to me, once he told his story, he says, you know something, I have to get back to that book. I need to get back to the Bible. And just at that, the bus came, of course, and then we couldn't go much further with our conversation. And then when he left, he went right to the front of the lineup again, and he waved to everybody that was passing there and said, See that man, young man up there with that Bible? We all need to get back to the Bible. And then he left. I never saw him again. And I've often wondered, you know, how, how he got on. I'm sure that might have been the start of a recovery for this man. And we pray that he did. And maybe he, he would go on and become an effective witness again for the Lord Jesus. And there are many backsliders out there that might be in that situation even today that need to get back to the Lord, back to the things that really matter and get the Word of God into their lives once again. That is a, an amazing story. And as you're telling it, I was thinking about how your testimony really didn't involve you opening your mouth much. And so it's encouraging that if we put ourselves in the hands of the Lord and we ask Him to use our lives, then He can take even something like holding a Bible and use it for his purposes. That's right, Crawford. I never said a word, to be honest. I just listened to him the whole time, and I, w I wish I had a, a little time to have said something to him, but that was the circumstances. I was young then too, remember, uh, in the faith, and so uh, maybe I'd been a little older, I might have been able to have got to introduce something more to him, but we just pray that the Lord leads. One thing about the Bible in your hand, as I said, in these early days, our lives were busy in the assembly, and uh, Monday nights was track night, and we had a prayer meeting on a Tuesday, a Bible study on uh, Thursday nights, Wednesday nights we had the kids' club, Friday nights we had the youth club, so that was a busy week. The other thing was Saturdays, and one good thing that I really enjoyed in my early life on Saturdays was that you could go to a conference any Saturday uh, over the winter months, usually from, they usually started from September to the end of April sometimes. Uh, and there were, you could almost take your choice which one you wanted to go. And so again, we had to always go in the bus, wherever we were going. And my two friends that I spoke about the last time, three of us would often go to the conference. And then coming home from the conference, we would take the bus back home. And here's a, a, this happened on a number of occasions on our way home. 
we always went in the double-decker buses and up the stairs. And I don't know why we did that, because it was only the smokers that really went upstairs. But in these days, you didn't know any danger of second-hand smoke or smoke at all. And so we always liked to go upstairs. We always went to the front of the bus because, you know, in the back of the bus was the drunks. They had come out of the pubs and they, were, they would go in the back, the back seat. And then they would start singing. <laughs> so they would sing a song and so we decided once they finished their song, we would start singing a hymn. So we would sing a hymn and then they would listen to us and then when, when we stopped, they would get into another song uh, as the bus went along. Sometimes the bus conductors would come up, can you guys be quiet up there? We're trying to... People down there are getting disturbed. However, she would smile and say, carry on. <laughs> the interesting thing about this is that we decided to sing the old rugged cross. Do you know something? When we started to sing the old rugged cross, the drunks joined in. They knew every word of the old rugged cross. And so here's the drunks in the back. Here's us believers in the front singing the old rugged cross. So everybody else in the bus was hearing at least the gospel presented through, through the hymns and and these were amazing times, you know, I think back. And, and that's, it just grips your heart because it, it was really the preparing. You've talked about this as adventures in evangelism, you know. It is an adventure in a way. And any adventurer, many, even the adventurers in the world that have done amazing things, there was preparation before they ever achieved what they were going to achieve. And these were preparation days for me. Because I come to realize that the Christian life is a life to be lived. You live it out in every circumstance. It's not something that you, you put on on a Sunday and then you discard it on Monday to Friday. You just live any way you like. It is part of our life in every way. I worked beside a man one time and uh, he was a, an elder in his church. And if you saw him on a Sunday, he had his bowler hat and his, his, his suit on and his Bible in his hand. And uh, you would say, well, there's a Christian, if there ever was one, if you saw him going into his church. But I tell you, on a Monday to a Friday, he was a totally different man. The language that would come out of his mouth. And that's what I'm trying to get over. This is a life that we live. The life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So these are just a few of the things of my early, early days. And then we'll, we'll move on from there. I think that there's a few things that, as we wrap up, because our time is is running out here, there's a few things that are just striking to me as you were talking. And the the one phrase you said, and this is a paraphrase, I can't remember the exact words, but you said it's not what we do for him, but it's really what he does through us. And I, I think about so many people when it comes to personal witnessing and evangelism, and I would be probably in this category who are so fearful and thinking we have to do something for the Lord. But as you're sharing, it's really the opposite. You're basically saying that we just need to have open hands and allow the Lord to put into our hands what he wants for us to do for him. That's right. I mean, even Peter, he talks about the fact that we have to give a reason for the hope that's within us to everyone that asks us. And it's amazing that our lives are different. We're not better than our neighbors. We're different because the Lord Jesus Christ has made the difference. And they soon see that and they'll soon ask the questions. And I could go on all day of different experiences I've had by people just asking the question. I was in, the, this is further on in my life now, 
uh, I was in the hospital this day in, in Ottawa, Ottawa Civic Hospital, and as I was, uh, I'd finished with the, where I was visiting, persons I was visiting, and I was waiting on the elevator uh, to go down uh, to the to the front, and so as I waited there, the elevators opened, and there was a young man inside, and he was standing there, and I, I asked him the question, I said, is this elevator going down? He says, yes, it is. I says, good, so am I, so I went, and the elevator's closed. Here's a young man who doesn't know me from Adam or anybody else, and he turns to me and he says, do you know something? I hope I don't go down when I die. An amazing statement. Wow. I hope I don't go down when I die. So the elevator stopped, we got out. I said, have you got a few minutes? He says, yes, I have. I said, well, I'll buy you a pop over here. You come over to the little cafe and I'll talk to you and I'll tell you how you can go up rather than down when you die. And so I had a good 20 minutes, maybe half an hour with him. Now I don't know if I ever got saved, but he sure knew, knew the way to heaven. And, so. and that's the thing I want to say too. These are only stepping stones. That might just be that one link There'll be other links in that young man's life that will ultimately, I believe, maybe lead him to the Savior. Yeah, that's really wonderful. I I think I could listen to you all day telling these stories, but and I think our listeners probably could as well. Uh, but we do have to um, close this. But ne- I know next uh, time we get together, you want to share about the work you've done with children. And, and that's a big part of what a lot of us do in in uh, in churches is work with children and reach them with the gospel and families. So we'll look forward to hearing stories of the work that you've done with children and how you got that started and how we could possibly use that as a tool in our in our churches. So thanks so much again for being with us today and sharing your life experiences. Thanks, Crawford, and we'll look forward to the next time with you. Sounds good. And to all of our Assembly Hub listeners, uh, thank you so much for joining us and have a great week. You have been listening to Church Chat by Assembly Hub. Check out all the articles and discussion at assemblyhub.com. Tune in next week to hear more Church Chat by Assembly Hub.